Filthy Henry and the Impossible Victim, Chapter 5. Trent sat in his kitchen with the blinds drawn shut and the light turned off. He listened to his heart thump inside his chest and found it a little unsettling that the clock on the wall seemed to be ticking in rhythm to his own internal beat. Ticking away like a tiny knife, slicing his life apart second by second. After the events of the previous night, Trent had decided that he no longer knew what was up and what was down, or even if down and up were still classed as valid directions to know. Apparently the world he inhabited had magical people in it with the ability to insert unsuspecting Garda into the floor with a click of their fingers. That was something that nobody needed to know. Trent could have quite happily lived out his remaining years never learning this insane fact. Then again, he had thought that last night could all have been a fairly vivid and terrifying dream, one brought on from the lack of stress and utter boredom after the first day at work combined with some questionable cheese eaten at lunch. That made a lot more sense, and definitely sounded more plausible. But deep down, Trent knew what had happened last night was no dream. No one could have dreamt up such a nightmare without first being a complete psychopath. Brez had been a truly terrifying experience, like something out of a horror movie, but with the best special effects in the world. He had shown things to Trent, Things that Trent's worst nightmares would have nightmares about. Things that existed in the darkest of dark corners. Under the bed of the boogeyman himself. He had shown all of this and more to Trent with the promise of them becoming reality if the guarded did not do as he was told. Which, Trent now felt, had been a bit over the top. Being inserted into the floor of a house tended to make a person very agreeable to suggestion. Threatening to scare them to death was just being mean. Brez had brought them to a field on the edge of Lucan and shown Trent the body of a man under some newfangled crime scene dome tent. Strangely enough, Trent had a strong feeling of deja vu the entire time they were there. Brez did not let Trent do any sort of investigating while they were there at the body, going so far as to tell him that the body was not important. The important part was that Trent prevented anybody from figuring out who the killer was. In particular, Trent had to hinder some private detective called Filthy Henry using any means possible. And remember, maggot, Brez had said while gripping Trent by the neck, failure is absolutely an option, just one that will make my day a lot more fun and your day terrifying. With that, Trent had been flung across the field and somehow back into his kitchen, slamming into a seat at the table, where he had remained all night. He had checked for any bruises after the initial shock had faded, to see if it all had been real or not. The lack of any markings on his body had made him think that maybe it had all just been a bad dream. But then Trent had noticed the little note on his kitchen table, stabbed in place by a small dagger. He had no idea where the dagger had come from, as it certainly wasn't his, and he wasn't in the habit of stabbing his furniture. Nor what the note meant, its cryptic words only helping to confuse him more. He tore the note free and read it out loud for no real reason. The deer was here he read to himself, then lowered his head to the kitchen table. Oh, I'm in trouble. The inside of Ogma's tower was like a librarian convention had broken out and started to play Jenga. Jenga with books instead of blocks. Stacks of books littered every part of the floor, 
piled up so high that they seemed to act as support pillars for the ceiling. In fact, the floor wasn't even a floor really, just a lot of books that had been arranged into a flat surface. The only furniture to be seen were rows of bookshelves, overladen with tomes, volumes and loose pages. These rows seemed to stretch out in every direction, much further than the outside of the tower would have led a person to believe possible. Shelley stood inside the doorway and stared around in awe at the place. It was a bibliophile's dream. Even the most illiterate of people would have been hard-pressed to not appreciate such a vast collection. Filthy Henry walked among the books, picking one up and scanning the cover before discarding it with a flick of his wrist that sent the book spinning through the air. Don't mess up his system, Shelley said, walking along with great care so as not to knock over his stack. Well, this guy doesn't have a system, Filthy Henry said. And if he does, then it's clearly based on chaos theory. Come on, I see some stairs over there. The book Filthy Henry had idly tossed floated into the air and drifted back towards its original location. Both of them watched it land softly before they continued to move through the piles of paper and pages towards a staircase that led up to the next floor. It almost seemed like the tower's creator had considered the feature as an afterthought. Instead of stone or wooden steps, each stair was a large book, suspended in mid-air by nothing. The fairy detective walked up them without pause for concern. Shelley waited until he was at the top, then ran up after him in case the books decided to fall under her. She jumped up the last two steps, crashing into Filthy Henry in the process. Would you for once stop acting like a tourist, he said, shoving her off him and dusting down his trench coat. Well, sorry, Shelley said, instantly regretting the fact that she had apologised. Don't forget, we aren't all used to this magical stuff as some people. Indeed, you've only been aware of this world for three months, twenty-nine days, ten hours, eighteen minutes and fifty-three seconds, a voice said. They both turned to look at the speaker. The level they were on now was a bit cleaner than the one below. In place of mounds of books, there were mounds of nothing. Each floorboard could be seen, while three windows set into the wall were clearly visible and letting daylight through from the outside world. Windows that definitely did not exist on the outside walls. No books at all occupied any space. In fact, the only thing that was on the second level of the tower was a large oak writing desk and three red leather armchairs. One of the chairs was occupied by an elderly gentleman. He sat hunched over, his nose practically pressed against the page of a large tome opened on the desk before him. In his left hand was a feather quill which he wrote furiously with. Around him, a number of loose pages floated in the air, moving about on winds unfelt. Randomly, one page would burst into a shower of golden sparks that seemed to form cursive writing in the air before it vanished, only to be replaced by a new page that arrived in a similarly stylish manner. It was hard to be certain, but Shelley thought the pages seemed to move about of their own volition, almost like two-dimensional carrier pigeons. There were never more than twenty of the floating pages, some of which would drift in front of the man's eyes as he wrote before returning to the flock above his head. That was fairly precise information, Shelley said watching as another page burst into sparks. Well, I would want to be, the man said. Otherwise, I'm not really doing my job. This is Ogma, Filthy Henry said, indicating the man. He's the old Celtic god of knowledge and writing. Not to mention historian, Ogma said, without looking up from his tome. I've written everything down that's ever happened anywhere in the land, 
you now call Ireland. Shelley smiled. Not everything, she said. Everything. No, really, how, how could you write everything? Ogma sat upright in his seat, the swirling pages adjusting their flight path above him, and crossed his arms. The quill continued to move across the empty page, writing out words without a hand to guide it. Everything, dear girl. If it happened in Ireland, indeed, if it happened in the realm of Dagda, you will find it in a page somewhere in this tower. Shelley felt like she had just been told there were hidden cameras all over her home, and that everyone had tuned into them. She swallowed, trying to move a strange lump that had formed in her throat. Um, you mean everything? Ogma waved his hands before him, motioning for her to stop. I didn't say I read everything I write. I just write it down. Whatever you do in the shower is your own business. Shower? Filthy Henry asked, smirking. Shut up, Shelley said, punching the fairy detective in the arm with her right hand while waving her left at Ogma. Filthy continued to smirk, giving her a little wink as he rubbed his bicep. Henry, I haven't seen you in a while, Ogma said. Spoken with your father, I presume. Filthy Henry stared coldly at Ogma before showing the god his middle finger. Well, you certainly did not get his manners, the god said. I assume you're here to talk about Meek's murder. Actually, I wouldn't mind knowing who the killer was, the fairy detective said, putting his hands into his trouser pockets and strolling towards the desk. After all, who better to find out the killer's name than from an omnipresent witness? Ogma pointed at an empty spot on his desk. Brightly coloured words glowing like neon signs appeared in the air around his finger. They raced towards an empty area and crashed into the wooden surface. As each letter hit the one before it, they started to form pages on the desk. Shelley watched this with amazement. Sometimes the fairy people had ways of doing things that were just more efficient than humans were able to. It helped that they had magic, of course. But then, other times it seemed that the fairy folk liked to do the simplest of tasks in a flashy manner. Surely Ogma could have just clicked his fingers and created the pages, rather than have a magical alphabet soup do the work. Then again, as the saying went, if you've got it, flaunt it. As the last of the letters left Ogma's fingertips, Shelley noticed that Filthy Henry was not paying the god any attention at all. He was looking at the floating pages above the desk, watching one of them on its flight path right up until it vanished. Here, Ogma said, lifting up the newly created pages. Everything that happened on the night of the murder. Including who actually killed Meek and how? Filthy Henry said. Young man, it has been thousands of years since gods killed, or attempted to kill, each other. Those times are long behind us. Also, I don't know who really killed Meek. That information is what you've been tasked with finding out. I only record what happens as it happens. But not all the tiny details that I'm assuming you're looking for. At the moment the killer will be described as Dian Kecht, for that is who the killer appeared to be during the time of the murder. You've made a common misconception that humans make when it comes to gods being omnipotent, Ogma said. Filthy Henry walked over and took the pages, before moving so that he stood at the window behind Ogma's desk. The fairy detective held the pages up to the daylight and began to read them. Very good, Filthy said. We'll need to talk with Dian Kecht as well. That's out of the question, Ogma replied, taking the quill in his hand once more. Well, it wasn't really a question, Filthy Henry said, turning over one of the pages. I'm to investigate the case. 
and he is the number one and only suspect. Ergo. Shelley had never been a believer in gods, or God, or anything that she needed to worship in order to get a little help from time to time. It was just how she had grown up. Yet despite the lack of belief, she found it hard to understand how filthy Henry could display such bad manners when talking to a deity. If there's something in the room that can smite you down, being arrogant was surely the best way to get smote. You can't see him because you have magic in you, Ogma said without looking up from his tome. In order to keep him here until the murderer is found, we agreed to strip him of his powers. He's practically mortal, albeit an indestructible one, without access to any magic at all. If you go into his room, he will have access to the magic in you and could possibly escape, and we must follow the rules. But you lot maintain he didn't do it, Filthy Henry said. He didn't. So he's innocent? Exactly. Then why would he try and escape? The nib of the quill snapped as it dug into the page. Ogma grimaced and held up the quill before his eyes. I've had this quill for over five centuries, he said. His gaze moved from the quill to Shelley. She can go in, the god said. A mortal with practically no magic in her, aside from the ability to see things. Get her to ask your questions. You stay here. Shelley frowned. Well, my second side is linked to Filthy Henry's magic. Doesn't that count? Before Ogma could reply, the fairy detective seemed to fall over from a stationary position and bump into the back of the god's chair. Pages were tossed into the air, mixing with the flying sheets. Filthy Henry steadied himself and snatched at the pages before any of them landed on the ground. Satisfied that he had them all, after a quick count, he walked around from behind the desk and over to another window, where he continued reading. Uh, sorry about that, the fairy detective said, his knuckles white as he held onto the pages tightly. Oh, I lost my balance while reading this stuff. Riveting account. The detail is amazing. You should consider writing a book or something when you retire, Ragma. Shelley will do just fine. You're right. No real magic in her at all. Shelley frowned. It seemed that Filthy Henry's arm was twitching as he held the pages. Ogma apparently did not notice. The god conjured a new quill out of thin air and continued writing into his tome, as if there was nobody else in the room. Fine then, the god said. If you're telling me I'm wrong in what I can sense and more importantly what I know, well then I won't waste my time arguing with you. As the saying goes, never argue with a fool. People might not be able to tell which one you are. You may proceed into the cell, Shelley. Ask your questions. When you're done, just knock on the wall. You mean the door, right? Shelley asked, pulling out her pen and notepad from her coat pocket. Ogma looked up from his tome and smiled. With a wave of his hand, some stone blocks in the wall to his left began to move. They peeled back, layer after layer, like pages of a book turning in the wind. As each block reached its end, it vanished, leaving a hole behind. After a couple of seconds, Enough blocks had been removed so that there was an archway in the wall, revealing another room on the other side. Shelley glanced over at Filthy Henry, who was using his left hand to steady his right while he read the pages. You want me to ask anything in particular? she said. No, Filthy Henry replied. Just hurry up, will you? Starting to get hungry. But also, don't ask anything stupid. Basically pretend you're me and ask what I would. She rolled her eyes at his response then walked through the arch. 
Filthy Henry, The Impossible Victim, is book two of the Filthy Henry series by Derek Power. This completely free audiobook version was narrated by Niall Milton. Other Filthy Henry books are available to buy on Amazon Kindle.